All right, uh, if you have your Bibles with you, or if you have, by the way, uh, you may see people in church uh, messing around on their electronic devices. Uh, I don't have mine here, but my grandkids were here last week, and uh, they each carry an electronic device. Uh, they take, they, they, um, they're not supposed to play games on it, but they do have their Bibles on it, and they do take notes on, on those things. So just because you see someone fingering on an electronic device doesn't mean they're, they're playing Pokemon. Okay, First uh, Peter chapter 2. Well, let's, let's go back to that passage that Mark read for us earlier. Uh, and I'm hoping to do something a little bit different today and not get into a whole lot of trouble. All right, First Peter chapter 2 and verse 13. I'm just going to read four verses here. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every authority instituted among men, whether to the king as the supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish men. Live as free men, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as servants of God. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the brotherhood of believers. Fear God and honor the king. So, here's my question for you, or here's a statement, and then my, here's my question. So, um, today... This is the Victoria Day long weekend. Question is, who is Victoria and why do we get a day off? She was a queen. The government figures we should get a day off per month. Do you know that this is, is only a statutory holiday in six out of the ten provinces in all three territories? In Quebec, they don't have Victoria Day, of course. Well, I'm not going to say a whole lot about that. They call it Nas National Patriots Day, whatever that means. But, okay, so it's also known as May 2-4 because uh, there's two, two, two meanings to it. What's a 2-4, guys? A 2-4? Okay, it's a box of beer, right? Um, but but the May the 24th, it's also known as May 2-4 because, one, it's the start of summer, uh, and there's a lot of drinking going on. Do you know that there's an alcohol ban in every provincial park in Saskatchewan this weekend? And in 27 of the regional parks in Saskatchewan, there's an alcohol ban because of the May 2-4 thing. And the 24th, by the way, was Queen Victoria's actual birthday. So the declaration is that the long weekend shall be celebrated on the Monday in May prior to the 25th. So there you go. Queen Victoria is the longest reigning monarch in the, um, in, in the, in the English Empire. And uh, it, was, it was a long time. But anyway, you know, the, the prevalent attitude today is if you were to go out and interview the average person uh, on the street here in Nippon and say, uh, who is Victoria? What, what kind of answer do you think we'd get? Who cares? Right? It's a day off. Like, and so I think maybe it's time that, that we need to take a look at this. Like, why do we get a day off? Why, why, what do queens and, and all the rest of that stuff have to do with that? Why? Because 
Here it is. God expects his children, that's you and me, God expects his children to honor their sovereigns. And there will be celebrations. There are celebrations in every provincial capital today. The Union Jack, which is Britain's flag, is going to be supposed to be flown on every federal building in, in, in the country tomorrow, only if there's a second flagpole. It cannot replace the Canadian flag, but the Union Jack is supposed to be flown on, on, uh, uh, on every federal government building in Canada. Tomorrow in Victoria, there will be a big celebration and there will be a 21-gun salute. A 21-gun salute is a royal salute and the reason that started was because ships coming into the harbor would fire all their guns to show that they were out of ammunition and that way they weren't uh, a threat to anyone coming in there. But the city of New Westminster um, also wanted to get in on the celebration, but uh, there was a problem there, and I'm going to run a video. Anson, if you would kill all the, all the main lights, leave the side lights on, and then we'll run that video. Here's what happens in New Westminster. On the surface, it seems like the strangest tradition you can't imagine, blowing an anvil into the air 21 times. But as Mike McArdle tells us, New Westminster's Victoria Day Anvil Chorus is rooted in the grand tradition of rebels thumbing their noses at the man. Lawbreakers? They don't look like lawbreakers. Civil disobedient tough guys? They were. Just you wait and watch you can't do that said the city fathers of victoria but they did and now it's a family ritual there we go another one's done well that one made you jump but that's because the ground does it does it make you jump yeah yeah how loud is it really loud can you hear us are you scared? Yeah. Ready? Really get ready. Now the story. Long time ago, when Victoria became the capital, they wanted to be the only city to honor Queen Victoria. They even took away New West's one and only cannon and said, be quiet. New Westminster said, bang. Victoria said, we forbid you. New Westminster said, bang. Victoria said, this is your last warning. New Westminster said, bang. I think they were a tough group, but more importantly that they were really dedicated to the place that they, a lot of them had helped to carve out of the bush. This was their town and it was their queen and you weren't gonna mess with that. The mayor of New West back then was also a blacksmith and you don't mess with a mayor who swings a hammer and blows up an anvil. Victoria eventually stopped stomping its feet. The West Anvils were only silent once. The year the Queen died.
Be in New Westminster tomorrow, go see the Hayek Anvil Battery, and uh, they will be firing off a 21 Anvil salute in honor of Queen Victoria. All right, why does God expect his children to honor their sovereign? And let me give you a couple of reasons this morning. Reason number one is because God is the one who put them there. Now, I don't like this whole principle of royalty, and it rankles me that um, you think you deserve to be royally and lavishly supported by me and others who work hard. But if you look in the Bible, before God put a king in Israel, there were kings that were just there. And God already in the law, before they even came into the promised land, said to Moses, he said, look, there's going to come a time when people are not going to be satisfied with me and they want a king so they can be like everyone else. And so God established some regulations for the king. But one of the stipulations was that he was not to consider himself better than his brothers. So in the day of the judges, when the prophet Samuel was still running things on behalf of the Lord, the people came to him and said to him, listen, you're not doing a very good job. We want you to give us a king. And Samuel got a little pouty about it. And God said to Samuel, give them what they want. Give them what they want because they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting me as their sovereign. But God said, when you give them what they want, tell them what it is going to cost them. And you can read that story in, in 1 Samuel chapter 8. And God said, when you get a king, he's going to take your sons and your daughters to serve him. He's going to charge you taxes. He's going to take the best of your produce. Who's going to claim all these good things for himself? Why? Because you have rejected me and you are substituting me with something else. And the reality is, whenever we substitute God's will with something of our own design, we always wind up paying the price. Do you hear that? Whenever you substitute God's will, whether it's in your own life, whether it's for your family, whether it's for your country, whenever you substitute God's will with something of your own design, you always wind up paying a price. And that price went on for uh, just only three generations. There was King Saul, who was the first one. Then there was King David. And then there was his son, King Solomon, under, which, under whose rule uh, Israel reached its absolute pinnacle of magnificence. But Solomon taxed the people so hard to support his lavish lifestyle that after he died and when the people went to his son and said, lighten up, and the son said, no, 10 out of the 12 tribes says, up your nose with that and walked. And the country divided in two. But still the reality is that God put the kings there. But it turned out badly, and in Isaiah, God says these words, and we sing the song, I've got peace like a river, joy like a fountain, and it comes from these words in Isaiah. 
God says to his people, this is what the Lord says, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. I am the Lord your God who teaches you what is best for you, who directs you in the way you should go. If only you had paid attention to my commands, if only you had listened to me, if only you had walked with me, your peace would have been like a river, your righteousness like the waves of the sea. God said, you didn't want me, and you substituted me with the king, and this is what you got. God put royalty there, and I don't necessarily like the idea, but God put royalty there. Even though we in Canada are a democracy, we are still under a monarchy, and we still owe honor and respect to this particular monarchy because as God's appointees, they deserve recognition, honor, and submission. Anson, would you put those verses from Romans 13 up on the screen, please? In Romans chapter 13, we read that the authorities that exist have been put there by God. Everyone must submit himself to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God, and consequently he who rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. God put rulers over us. And we rankle at that concept. The number one sin that we as people have is the sin from the Garden of Eden which says, nobody tells me what to do. And we rankle at this, at this whole thing. We elect a government and then we say to that government, you can't tell us what to do. And the Bible says it is necessary to submit to the authorities, even the royalty that God has put in charge over us. Now, royalty sometimes, uh, in many places, simply exists to fatten itself at the expense of its people. And we all know dictators who have gone bad, who have gone absolutely dumb and, and crazy, and they need to be taken out of there, and, and we've gone to war over things like that. And we have ways and means of removing them when they become corrupt. But the Bible says that I owe my government submission. It is necessary to submit. The Bible says that I owe my government taxes. Oh, I wish she hadn't said that. But I have to. For the authorities are God's servants who give their full time to governing. Give everyone what you owe them. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. Yeah, we like to complain about it. Every once in a while, I order something from eBay, and it comes in from the United States. Now, 90% of the time, it sneaks through customs, and it comes to my post office box and nip one here at no extra charge. Every once in a while, the Canada Customs or Customs and Revenue Agency intercepts it. And then I have to pay GST, and I have to pay PST, and I have to pay a $5, I think it was $15 or something last time for a handling charge, you know, and you go, uh, but if you owe revenue, then you owe revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. Back in the days of the first king, King Saul, 
You know his story, how God rejected him as king, how God took away his Holy Spirit from Saul, and, and Saul became this delusional, paranoid, schizophrenic nuts guy. And here was David. David had been anointed as a young man, probably somewhere around the age of 17. David had been anointed to be the next king of Israel. David knew that. And Saul knew it. And Saul's son, Jonathan, knew it too. And David had to wait. Probably David was 30 years old when he became king. So he waited for at least 13 years, if not more, to become king. And in the meantime, here is this paranoid, schizophrenic, nutso king who is trying to kill him. And he's hunting David. And David's hiding from Saul, and he's back in, in, in this cave, and he's hiding. And Saul needs to go potty. And so Saul goes into this cave and relieves himself, and David sees his opportunity. And David takes a corner of Saul's robe that Saul had probably dropped somewhere and sliced off a piece of that and snuck back into the cave and waited till Saul was done his business. And then he was going to go out and wave this piece of cloth off Saul's robe and say, Nana, nana, boo, boo. I could have killed you, but I didn't. Look at how good I am. The story is in 1 Samuel 24. But in the meantime, God's Holy Spirit got a hold of David. And David realized what he had done was to make a mockery out of the one whom God had put over him. And so the Bible says he waited till Saul was finished and went back outside. And David went outside and it says he bowed before Saul and prostrated himself with his face to the ground. He got on his face before Saul and he said, I was wrong. I messed with the Lord's anointed. It wasn't my time. And David said, even though you are a corrupt and crooked king, and even though God has appointed me to take your place, I have no right to oust you before God's time. And I owe you honor, and I owe you an apology. And you know, we take our leaders, whether they be ceremonial like our royalty, or whether they be actual like our elected leaders, and we treat them like dirt. We feel that we have the right to tear a strip off them, to criticize them, to denigrate them. The Bible says, if respect is due, then give them respect. If honor, then honor. I've had the privilege of, of working fairly closely with a number of RCMP officers here and through the justice system over the past number of years. I'm not involved in that anymore, but one of the things, and I've played hockey, I still play hockey with lots of them, and, and one of the things I say to them is, is this. I said, you know, I'm really impressed with law enforcement in this 21st century. You guys have changed so much for the better since I was a teenager.
Because when I was a teenager, I got pulled over at least twice a week on my motorcycle. Uh, and I've been riding in Nipawin for 20 years, and I've never gotten stopped. Like, it's amazing how much better. The only time we got stopped was in, what was it, Grand Junction, Colorado, a couple of years ago. Sheriff came after us. But you know what? The Bible says, because I thought it was, you see, I thought it was my, my duty and my right to challenge the RCMP. It's not that they've changed so much as that my attitude. I thought it was my duty and my right to challenge them and to disrespect them. And the Bible says if I owe respect, then give them respect because they are God's representatives of the king. The law calls itself the crown here. And we need to remember that. In 1 Peter chapter 2, the verses we were reading here, the Bible says that we are to do good, that we are to submit, and that we are to show proper respect. We are to love the brotherhood, and we agree with that. God puts three things on the same level. He says, love the brotherhood, fear God, and honor the king. Do you notice that? Show proper respect to everyone. There is the brotherhood, there is God above, and then honor the king. Now, we're okay with the first two. The last one, eh, we feel we have a right to criticize. Why do we need to show respect to authority? Because God put him there, because God expects us to, and because ultimately we will all have to face royalty. Philippians chapter 2 says that at the name of Jesus, it's that passage that talks about Jesus emptying himself and becoming one of us and, and becoming humble to the, and obedient to death, even to death on a cross. Then afterwards, therefore God has exalted him to the highest place, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And someday, whether you want to or not, you and I are going to be down on our knees before Jesus Christ. We will bow. And I have a sneaking suspicion that we will be flat on our faces before him. He is our king. He is our sovereign. And we owe him our allegiance. We owe him honor. And we owe him respect. It's been said about Queen Victoria that she was the one who stood when Handel's Messiah was sung. Maybe you've heard that story. You know, traditionally, when, when the, the song, the Messiah, or the, the Hallelujah Chorus gets sung during the Messiah, everybody stands because the queen st stood. Uh, and I did a little research on that, and here's what I found. Um, the story is often told of how Queen Victoria stood in honor of King Jesus, but it is thought that it traditionally actually began when King George II uh, attended a performance of the Messiah and stood during the Hallelujah Chorus. That's her dad. When the sovereign stands, all stand. And the reason why he stood, or even this is the correct king or queen who started the tradition, has never been clearly known. Some say the king was just tired and needed to go. Others say he stood bolt upright because he had been dozing and was shocked at the sudden volume and swell of the music, so everyone else stood up. 
Still others have said that the king was deaf and he thought that the choir was actually singing God Save the King. The noblest explanation is that when the Hallelujah Chorus was played, the king recognized he was in the presence of a higher king and could not remain seated. He stood, and along with him, everyone else. Um, the Messiah was not amongst Queen Victoria's favorite works. She thought it was, quote, heavy and tiresome, so there. But Jesus will come back, and he will reign. And you and I will bow, and so will every person on earth, whether they acknowledge him or not. They will be forced to bow the knee before Jesus. So why Victoria Day? It's a time for us to give thanks for those who represent the ruler, or the sovereign rather, and rule over us. It's a time for us to give honor and respect. I know it's May 2-4, and everybody's out partying, but it's a time for us to give honor and respect a time to give thanks for peace and prosperity, and it's a time to refrain from complaining for a change. So, what I'm going to do, never happened in Emmanuel Baptist Church before, at least not while I've been here. We're going to sing, stand, we're going to sing, God Save the Queen. Are you ready? God save our gracious Queen, long live our noble Queen, God save the Queen. Send her victorious, happy and glorious, long to reign over us, God save the Queen. Father, thank you for those whom you have put over us to rule over us, and we ask your forgiveness for the disrespect and the dishonor that we have shown over the years. Father, we just pray your blessing upon our rulers. We pray that you would guide and guard and keep them and give them incredible wisdom, and we ask that your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. Father, thank you for allowing us to be here this morning. Dismiss us with your blessing, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We're dismissed. Have a wonderful Victoria Day weekend.